Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. think about that new video the new intro there for the death lineup i like it man i like it it's we have a you know the thompson to clark has one and now we have one so i like it that is from zach hernandez who hosts the uh red and gold uh standard podcast that the audio version of the red and gold standard they have their own youtube channel and stuff we have the audio version of their podcast on the bspn uh podcast feed but he's he's getting into that, and he was, I think he was just tired of paying people to do videos and stuff for him. So he figured out how to do it. So thanks to Zach for that. For those who are just listening on the podcast, you're just gonna have to check out the, the YouTube version of this show to see that video. All right, now this is the days of the NBA where things are a little bit quiet. We are. You know, we're 10 days or actually two weeks into free agency. The Kevin Durant and uh, DeAndre Ayton situation kind of locked, you know, it was it was, it was a slow traffic uh, since then. Uh, I guess there's stuff, some stuff going on with Ayton and uh, the Pacers uh, signed him to a deal, which it is it has Phoenix matched yet or does it sound like they're matching? So what I know is that they offered it they offered it and he agreed to the offer sheet. That doesn't mean he signed it. Yeah. So um, it sounds like they have until midnight tonight to either work out like a sign and trade before mm -hmm. the restricted window starts. And that's like 48 hours, two days that Phoenix has the match starting at midnight Eastern time tonight. So we'll see if there's a sign and trade that happens, you know, before then, but if not, then Phoenix has two days to match what what is the word there because it's it like sounded like they didn't really want to go heavy in on him because they're afraid of the luxury tax or whatever but now that indiana has given him this offer sheet if phoenix does match it you think it's only to trade him or is there a possibility that they're also keeping him so the interesting thing with this is that well, I guess one of the stipulations in the offer sheet or the contract that Indiana proposed to Aiden that I'm sure they've been in talks about. I'm sure this was Aiden's idea. Mm -hmm. I think that they can't trade him until January 15th of 2023. So if Phoenix matches, they can't trade the guy until 2023. Oh, wow. So that kind of that kind of nixes the window on that Kevin Durant trade to Phoenix is what it feels like, unless they work out this little sign and trade, 
within, you know, until midnight, I guess, or 9 p.m. our time. Right. So, so it would have to be a sign and trade in the next two days in order to do the, you know, one of the rumored KD deals. Well, what it sounds like is that it has to be a sign and trade until like nine. Like once, once Aiden puts the pen to the paper, like the sign and trade deals out the window, right? Mm. Okay. So just the threat of him doing it tells Phoenix they have to hurry up. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's very interesting. And you know, we we've been fans of Aiton just because you went to school together with you. Were you both freshmen at the same, in the same year? Yeah, but I think he's like a year ahead. Like like he's we're freshmen, but I think he was always like either reclassified in high school, so he's like twenty three or okay, turning so twenty four soon. But yeah, we had classes together. So and I always saw him walking around campus. The guy would always be on that little hoverboard, which was popular at the time, so it'd make <laughs> him eight feet tall, <laughs> so he could stick out like a sore thumb on campus. Uh, no. So it's very cool. I, I mean, I, th- that's the reason why I like to follow him because I know that, th- that there was a, a closeness there in proximity and in classes and such, uh, which, which is funny because the only person, because obviously I went to San Jose state, not a giant NBA prospect school, but in my junior year, a guy who went to Michigan and he was the draft class I believe he was the draft class after the Fab Five. So when you had Chris Weber and Jalen Rose and uh, Juwan Howard and Jimmy King and Ray, why did I forget Ray's name? Anyway, that that class, the Fab Five, like the most famous draft class and freshmen, all five freshmen starting. The the class after that is a guy by the name of Olivier St. Jean, who is in the next class. For some reason, he decides to leave Michigan comes to San Jose State, and he plays two years at San Jose State, and in one of those years, he takes San Jose State to the uh, 64. And I think we had to play Kentucky in the in the first round. So it was like the first seed versus the 16th seed. And San Jose State like hung in like within single digits for about the first half. And then I had to go take a test. And when I came back from my test, uh, I think we lost by like 40. So that that that's my story. So... Olivier St. Jean gets drafted, changes his name to Tariq Abdul Wahed. And he had, you know, he had an NBA career. I think he's still like coaching locally, or he was coaching locally uh, around the Bay Area somewhere for basketball. So that that so not quite the DeAndre Ayton story there, though I did interview him uh, before the draft. So I got to talk to him uh, for a radio show. Um, okay, let's let's talk about this uh, summer league stuff because it it's really all there is to talk about when it comes to the warriors right now the you know the the post championship uh malaise is is upon us though uh we went to the california classic in san francisco now it's the vegas summer league uh, watching all this stuff happening in vegas are you kind of getting a little antsy to kind of go at some point i'm going next year 100% i really <laughs> wanted to go this year our buddy uh my buddy brandon has been taking pictures Carmi- with young like, carmichael yeah, sam Presti, he's an okc thunder fan took a picture with Woj. i feel like it's just a great network opportunity oh i didn't see the Woj photo got a Woj i got to check one it out on i got to yeah. check him out yeah I, I follow him on uh on instagram i don't know if i follow him on twitter but I, so i do see his instagram stuff No, it looks, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Uh, It is a trip. It is, uh, I don't know, for me, Vegas, I I think this is for a lot of people too. Vegas is 
like two and a half days max. Anything longer than two and a half days, it just feels too long. And the uh, there's no there basically there's there's no there's no days and nights in Vegas, right? It's just one long day. Like like you know you don't get much sleep, and so you kind of get worn out a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's fun. the the whole The whole summer league thing is much bigger now than when I went. I think I went like now. It's probably been like seven or eight years, and it was like when I went, you could just sit anywhere in these games and he, listen to like GMs and presidents just talk, like just ear hustling and hearing them talk about players. It's much different now, and it's 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 much bigger deal. So yeah, I think I think it'd be a lot of fun for you to go next year. Uh, okay, so you watched? Did you watch all three games in Vegas? Yeah, I've watched every Warrior game so far. So I've watched bits and pieces. So I'm going to rely on you for the uh, the analysis piece of this. But uh, I did. I was able to find box scores. Interestingly enough, they they did have money ESPN. So game one, Warriors lose to the Knicks. That's the one that that I watched the most. Also, the one that was probably the the worst game for uh, their big, you know, their their, their big guns. Kaminga Moody played a, a really good game, but Kaminga played a terrible basketball game. Wiseman didn't play in this game. Uh, Guy Santos was a, was a worst plus minus in, in this game, so he didn't play very well. Um, and I don't know. I just feel like the the summer league for the Warriors fans is more about watching individual players than it is watching cohesive basketball. That's probably what it is for, you know, most fans, but any takeaways from, uh, from these first three games that you've been able to check out? Um, I really like Moses Moody. I think that the guy is almost like basically like a veteran in a young kid's body. You know, he's got the, he's got, he could showcase the long arms that he has, the, the shooting stroke. Um, I think he's ready to be a rotation player already for us. Um, with Kaminga, though, yeah, like you said, pretty bad game. You could see it on his face. He's pretty um, – he, he shows his frustration a lot. Mm-hmm. You could tell, like, with, with these kids we have, what Jordan Poole's my age, a couple days older than me, we should we have mentioned on this podcast how he kind of sulks his shoulders, you know, <laughs> kind of does that kind of frustration. Kaminga's pretty outward with it. I don't think he'll yell at anyone from what I've seen so far, but he big-timed the high-five line after the game. He went straight to the tunnel. Um, <laughs> again, with Moody, veteran, the guy, he, I don't think I've seen frustration on him, really. He yeah. kind of, But with Wiseman, um, the first game that he played against the Spurs, kind of doing you know a little bit like a pouting, yeah. um, maybe showing a little more internal, because it's so hard for, for some reason. The Warriors don't have a playmaker that can get people the ball like mcclung is just hey, there Mac McClung. His thing <laughs> yeah, i guess he has the behind the back pass in transition but like he's not in like half court offense he's not getting the right guy the ball it feels okay. like and then on top of that kaminga's usage rate is probably insane right now they give him the ball in every single possession and he's not really a natural playmaker so wiseman's just getting frustrated that he's not getting touches when he should be getting touches so and I, I think I that's that frustration. A, yeah that's the big takeaway with summer league is mac mcclung He's trying to get a job. <laughs> he's not he's not trying to set up James Wiseman so that James Wiseman looks like the best player in the league. However, here's what I will say. If Mac McClung was like, you know what? I'm going to make Kaminga and Wiseman look great. And there is a little bit of chemistry there. Not I don't I don't think he would make the team. I don't think he would, you know, sign on in a two-way, at least not now. But 
it's not a bad thing to have good chemistry with these two guys who are projected to be warrior stars in, in the near future. If he shows that he can work well with them, even though, you know, he, he's maybe a little undersized, we, we, we like him because he's, he's the ultimate villain for, for the opposition. He's got like really good game, you know, just he knows where the camera is, all that stuff. So I guess, um, I guess what the, the, I get it because he's trying to show that he can play in the league. And a lot of that is not setting up Wiseman for a nice, you know, a nice turnaround or, or something. It is shooting and trying to score on, on, on the break and, you know, showing his range from the outside. So for that reason, yeah, like, you know, I could see why Wiseman could possibly get frustrated, but he also knows that that's the game. Like Wiseman is paid. Wiseman is going to make, whatever it is, seven or eight million dollars this year. Mac McClung's try, trying to get his. And you could argue that if Mac McClung prioritized playmaking, especially for setting up guys like Kaminga and Wiseman, that maybe helps his case to secure a job better, especially for Golden State. I'm sure maybe other GMs maybe are are, are, are more enticed by the scoring ability that the kid has. But I, specifically for the Warriors, I'm sure like he would have a better chance if he prioritized that instead of you know doing all the flashy stuff on the court. Yeah, so let's talk about Wiseman because he didn't play in that first game where they lost to the Knicks and where Moody went off. He did play in the second game against the Spurs, limited to 20 minutes, five of seven from the field. That was probably his uh, the impressive performance of the, of the two games. But also he wasn't, um, you know, a lot of that is... Uh, showcasing skills that we we know that he has the things that I guess Warriors fans or, or even Warriors uh, front office would be wanting to see more of is like oh yeah you know can he get rebounds when they need to get a rebound is he going to go up strong when they need him to go up strong didn't get to the free throw line which is kind of interesting which means he didn't get fouled you know while trying to shoot. And the reason it's interesting is because on the other side, he had seven fouls himself. <laughs> um, and then in the last game that they that they recently played against the Celtics, I, I thought, you know, kind of disappointing. I don't, I don't know why, what I expected out of him. I think most people want to see him dominate it, based on the talent level like this. But as we just said, it's really that's not really about what Summer League is about. It's not about. You know, okay, let let's let let's uh, get Wiseman the ball every time down the floor. Just these other guys are trying to impress teams too. But other than that, like, what was your impression of Wiseman? I'm not totally expecting him to do like crazy much. That guy has all the all the passes in the book for me to like you know take his time on getting better. I mean, we saw with Clay when he came back in like January. I mean, for back of for for lack of better words, Clay was hot ass until like June. Right. And he's, he's Clay's been, you know, one of the better two guards in the league for a long time now. So Wiseman to me has all the has all the passes in the book to, you know, take his time in the ramp up process and getting better on the court. But I mean, in that first game, you could argue that, you know, he went five for seven and he probably touched the ball from a pass from a teammate seven times and he probably shot the ball you know shot the ball seven times got the ball seven times he only had two rebounds that game seven fouls i mean maybe some of those fouls weren't completely warranted but you know you get 10 fouls in summer league uh he he was using them and i mean 
I, I feel like the intrigue with Wiseman from what I've seen as rookie year, I wasn't totally um, checking out the prospects that year in that draft class as in depth as I, as I am now. So I don't totally remember what he was supposed to be projected as, but for, I guess from what we've seen his rookie year and then a couple of those summer league games is that it feels like he he's he ha, he's like a he's like a big center seven foot guy with like kind of like guard like abilities almost he can kind of handle the ball I mean I don't really want him to but we saw a couple mm-hmm. possessions in transition where it's like well why is he, he's doing it behind the back and he's getting to the rim mm-hmm. you know he's he's super athletic uh, rim running uh, has has a shot so he could shoot mid range ideally three um, and then yeah obviously the lob catcher my main my main thing though with him is can, will he get played off the off the court and play off basketball if if they were to put him in that Memphis series but John Morant said I want him every single time and pulled him out to the perimeter and racked up the foul count on him um and and I feel like we won't know that uh in to in, in, in a while but yeah I, I I thought that it was an impressive game his first outing because he wasn't missing the first play they did was a Kaminga to Wiseman lob that had to be planned because that was awesome that yeah, was no, just you the, and Ben you rookie. and Ben were were texting me I was like I was like oh my gosh John J- Wiseman's you know starting center in the all-star game based on your text Lakeup was probably doing fist pumps in the air when he saw <laughs> that one um but yeah Wiseman was honestly I, I liked him that game two rebounds I guess is like the main knock on him I don't think you can give him the knock on the seven fouls mm-hmm. that was just kind of unfortunate but the rebounds you know he then he, you see the progression from the first summer league game to the next he ups his rebound count you know he's boxing out hard um so I don't know I don't know what this kid man I like him I want to see him do good so it uh, uh, looks like uh, he's going to play tomorrow. Him and Kaminga. And we'll see if Chet plays, because if Chet plays, there's going to be a magnifying glass on that matchup. And Wiseman, it, it's going to be vital that he plays well, because if Chet outplays him on this summer league court, uh, that that's gonna I, I have you know again. There's no news right now. There's nothing going on though. I did see uh, Phoenix matched the eight and deal, so they're 15, they're over the luxury tax uh, or they're I forgot. Shams reported it. Um, he said uh, they go approximately fifteen million into the tax. So the so there we go. But back to wow. Aiton, the he's got to know. Chet is, you know, there, there's lots of lots of eyeballs watching Chet, and it is an opportunity for him to hush a little bit of the the naysayers because uh, this is his uh, what third third year in the in the league, and for him to the, he was kind of what Chet was, you know, three years ago or whatever, but you know when he got drafted, but now. As quickly as things turn in the NBA, Chet's the new hotness, and and Wiseman is like old and busted. Like like he's he's already sort of they've moved on from him. So he has to know that this matchup, if it happens, that it's a big deal for him to play well. I and I think you know Warriors Twitter will, will definitely um, make some decisions on if Wiseman is good or not by this matchup. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't think they should, but they they, they definitely will, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, mainstream media like Bleacher Report, you know, those those Instagram pages that post highlights probably aren't posting 
Wiseman dunks as much as they are Paolo and Chet dunks right now. So I think you're right in that sense. Um, but yeah, I just hope that Wiseman, you know, a lot of people, what we've seen from Chet's first couple games is it, it seems like a lot of guys who are trying to get a job, trying to retain a job, are just taking Chet to the rim and just trying to score on him. And Chet's like, dude, like I have like <laughs> eight foot wingspan. I'll just block your shot. So, I mean, for Wiseman, I think, I think, um, I'm just hoping that that isn't his mentality. I'm just going to try to body this kid to the rim and get and get my dunk. Well, he does. He doesn't have to try to dunk on him, but he can try to play through him because Wiseman is 260 pounds, and I don't know what Chet weighs, but he doesn't weigh 260 yeah, pounds. No way. So, so if he does, you know, want to try and and play through him a little bit, that'll be impressive. Though, the way that they sort of call fouls in the summer league. You know, if it was a, a real game, he could possibly get a foul call in the post. And in this league, they, you know, maybe they they won't do it. So it may, may not even be that good of an idea because this summer league is not for post players, really. It's for, you know, wings and, and mm-hmm. fast breaks and dunks because there's lots of turnovers. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I don't know that I would make a, a decision on whether Wiseman is good or not based on uh, how he plays against Chet. But I, I would like to see him go, okay. There's going to be eye, but like people are watching this matchup. Zach Lowe is going to watch this matchup and talk about it on his podcast. And so that's why I think it is it is very good for Wiseman to t- to like be like, okay, this is a good. Like, I'm gonna I want to play well in, in this matchup because Chet's good. He's got a lot of eyeballs, and I still have to prove that you know I that I, I'm gonna be, come back from this injury. So I think it's I think it'll be uh, it's it's going to be the one that I think people care about. It's the marquee matchup, and I feel like Wiseman hasn't really had that that much in his career. Um, not many, not many centers in his draft class that were high profile names. Obviously, doesn't play the next year, so you don't get to see the Evan Mobley matchup or something like that. So this is like the first one. Um, and and now now that you say it, like I I, I think you're right. You know, two sixty probably take him inside because now that I think about how Wiseman's shot is, how a little like slower, but he seems to get it off even if someone's contesting. But this is a different type of contest with Chet, you know. So I'm I'm wondering how those face up shots will look like from him if he maybe prefers to use his big body get Chet under the post to a point where Chet can't block the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if if I'm the Warriors, I'm I'm like trying to get Wiseman, you know, to look good in that matchup, pump him up a little bit. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it, it should be fun. Okay, so Kaminga, uh, you know, we we had this conversation all throughout the playoffs about whether he should play more, play less. You know, pl- couldn't really play less than he was playing near the end there. But a lot of the things that his when it comes to his game and when it comes to the decision of how high he was going to be drafted last year, uh, those are kind of coming to fruition in the summer league. But again, it's like not really the best way to kind of grade somebody because as shown, like when Kaminga decides that he just wants to go to the basket or he wants to get closer uh, to the bucket, he's, he's going to get points. Like he, he was, uh, well, he took like 18 free throws one of the nights and he didn't make very many of them. But when he, when he just decides like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And it has nothing to do with shooting three pointers. Like he's very focused and he's very determined but then you look at that three-point stroke, and it's almost like when he shoots it, the defense is like, 
oh, thank you. And I don't have to guard you because you're because you're hurting me. You're you know, you're so he's such a big dude and he's got these quick twitch muscles. And it's almost like, you know, um, we when we were watching Guy Santos in the California Classic, like Guy Santos was trying to like pull off two or three moves that he probably didn't really have the skill set to do. And so he'd lose, just lose the ball. Like Kaminga, Kaminga doesn't try these crazy moves yet because you can tell the skill level with the ball handling isn't there. But he's still so athletic that he can pretty much still get to wherever he needs to get. And now sometimes he'll, you know, he'll go for a layup and he thinks that he got fouled and he'll just end up, you know, being flipped over on his back. But I, I just I watch him and I, I think, man, you know, that there are players on this team. You know, we always look at Andre Iguodala as like the ultimate, the ultimate vet. And because Andre is, is a guy who had so many skills for his position. And he, he was the Warriors backup point guard for a lot of those years, right? Where he was the one handling the ball if they needed to, him and Draymond. So I I, I wish that for Kaminga's sake, that there there are a couple of skills that he is working on so that he can utilize the just the the, the tool bag that you know that he's developing because I think what's going to happen is they know the spin move and they know that they can leave him open so that those are ways the defense is going to play him like okay if he makes a three great we just want him to keep shooting them because he's going to make two out of nine three out of ten max and then. When he's in the open court, it's like, okay, we have to play this one move. And if we can play it, we can probably stop him dribbling. And and so those are those, those are things that I'm seeing. So I hope that there's like another thing, like, oh, like when we see come, you know, come come the opening opening day, Kaminga's got like some left-handed crossover or, or something uh that that he can continue to use. Because I think he's still pretty limited in what he's doing offensively in summer league. Yeah. And it feels like the one thing I was impressed, though, uh, that 18 free throw game, I, I feel like his rookie year, he got the rookie whistle, um, didn't get as many foul calls as he should have. That's why I kind of said when Guy Santos was getting to the line a lot in California Classic, it was like if Jonathan Kaminga can't get to the line, then Guy Santos is like no chance. Um, he was just getting like a regular whistle in summer league because all of them are like rookies. Uh, but yeah, coming getting to the line 18 times, if he could start getting a whistle, how he should be getting the whistle, he will get to the line that many times. If teams aren't willing to take a charge, they're li- they're, they're hacking him every single place stronger than everyone else. Um, so obviously he needs to work on, on the free throw shot itself, but he's getting to the line that many times. I think that's impressive in itself. Um, defense, not entirely worried about it with him. It seems like he's athletic enough and cares enough to get the job done on that end. But with offense, it's he seems like, yeah, he hasn't created he doesn't really have a bag. You know, he does the he does the spin move. And then when that's done, it's like, okay, what's next? Um, But to me, he kind of feels like mechanical almost with because he's just so big and like athletic, like that feels like there's not as much fluidity or not as much shiftiness in in his handle or his game. Um, And I don't know if that's something you can just like pick up, you know. So I'm wondering if some because someone who who comes to mind when I think of it like that is, is Kawhi Leonard doesn't look the most fluid or shifty. He kind of looks like that too. So I'm wondering if Kaminga can use that as an example. You know, watch some Kawhi tape, I guess, and try to develop whatever the hell Kawhi's got going on over there because it's obviously working for him. Um, and I mean, the thing with Kaminga though is I feel like you say like 
at least at at my playing level in high school or prior to that, it was like, you know, practice what you're going to do in the game. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you that Kaminga is going to be the lead ball handler with like a 75% usage rate in the game. (laughs) So I'm not entirely sure. Like, because I feel like with with those wings, you know, Kaminga has the defense down. I think he's he's working on the offense. But like that final jump is like that playmaking. If he can like, you know, like if it feels like those those top wings, once they get the playmaking down, just like as like a secondary option, it's, it just feels like they're almost unstoppable. And I feel like they, I, I don't know if who's choosing it is to try to, to try to improve that right now, but I feel like maybe let's not take that jump until we have the other stuff down. You know, mm-hmm. let's not implement that until the scoring and 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 the the handle is down. I guess. The but the other thing about him in the, in the one dimensionalness of his game is because he's not a playmaker. When he puts the ball on the floor, he's only going to try and drive, or he's only going to try and score. So the defense can play him to defend the bucket because he's not setting people up. He's not doing something to then kick out for three. Like that's just not where his game is at right now. So. That's my worry for him in season two is there is tape on him and they're like, okay, here are the three things that he's going to do that we have to worry about versus when he does, when his game does evolve, then it's going to be, oh, here are the six things. Here are the eight things. Like imagine if you're guarding Steph, you're just like, we just have to try and take away one of these things in hopes that, you know, he doesn't go into his bag. So, you know, it's, it's the thing with, uh, with younger players. And this is not just a basketball thing either. This is every sport possible. Um, you know, if you're a baseball player and you, uh, have a couple of good months, then the, the, the teams who are good and have the good analytics departments and, and, and they're watching tape, they go, Oh, this is the pitch that he hits. Let's not throw that pitch anymore. And then that, then the hitter has to sort of figure, okay, I'm not seeing this pitch that I'm good at. Now i got to get good at hitting some of these other pitches. So this happens in every sport. At, for him, the thing that you look at is just that the talent level is very high. And so you just imagine that he's going to figure it out. And he's just going to continue to get better. I, I do wonder about the jumper, though. The jumper is uh, it's sort of a, a set shot. He, he doesn't, he, you know, he's such a great athlete that it's kind of weird to see a guy who could jump through the roof, essentially put up a set shot, uh, you know, from, from his jumper. But I'm sure they're also working on it to make sure he's comfortable and to make sure the mechanics are sound. So I, I mean, how can you not trust the Warriors uh, coaching staff at this point? All right. Who else did you see on this Warriors team that uh, impressed you or that stood out in some way? Um. Quindary, I think that he should have a spot on this roster. Um, I mean, I guess I could say Mac McClung, but I just don't see how he has a spot on this team. Uh, maybe like a training camp invite, but you know, he's, I think he's an NBA player. I think he deserves a shot on the team, but I don't think it's on the Warriors where not that good defensively didn't mm-hmm. prioritize. I don't, I don't know his playmaking. I've heard it's gotten better, but to be honest, I didn't see it. It felt like it was only transition for him. Um, 
Lester Quinones hasn't had the best summer league, but he was good in the California Classic. I feel like he has an offensive bag to himself, and he and he tries hard on defense. I'm kind of interested in in what he looks like as a two way contract player. And then Guy Santos, I, I'm bought in. I th- I think um, I'm ready for for Guy Santos. I have really hope. Like I've heard something on how he still has a contract with Brazil. I don't know if that was from you or from someone else. I hope there's a way that the Warriors can just keep him in Santa Cruz. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would be really beneficial for him. Uh who else? I don't know. I, mean, I, I know. I know who it's not, and that's Justinian, Justinian Jessup. Jessup. That guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like he's supposed to be like, isn't he supposed to be marketed as just like the, like this score, right? And it well, feels I mean, like the the, not... the first game against the Knicks, he only played thirteen minutes, but he did score seven points. Uh, but the other game that he did play, which was uh, the Spurs game. He had 12 minutes and he only took one shot. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, he's been around the organization for a couple of years now. And so I was hoping that, you know, he would kind of come out and, and, and look good. But, I mean, it looks pretty much of what he's done so far as far as what, what we should expect now. Yeah, I'm on him. Um, seems like a guy who's supposed to score. And if he's not scoring, there's really nothing else. Not a good defender. Doesn't play make. Doesn't really do any off-ball stuff. So... I, I'm not. I'm not in on him. Any, uh, I know you. You're checking out a lot of the the blogs and stuff as far as who are the people who are kind of shining in summer league. Uh, out of out of the rookies, like we saw Keegan Murray play and he looked awesome. Are there what what other rookies are playing in the in the summer league and and who's standing out league wide? League wide, I mean, all eyes go to Paolo. He played two games and I thought he was awesome. Uh, Jabari kind of feels like he's getting the same issue as Wiseman where there's really no playmaker on the team to get him looks. Um, so he hasn't really had the best, uh, summer league so far. Chet, obviously that first game where it was just like some insane block number. Um, obviously we're excited to see tomorrow's game, uh, against the Warriors. Who else? Shaden Sharp, unfortunately, gets injured <laughs> within like the first couple minutes. He didn't do anything. You can look back at the tape. There's nothing that like injured him, but they pulled him and it's like he had something torn. So I'm wondering if that was just something pre-draft that, you know, has been bugging him that I guess we just didn't know about. Um, I know I'm forgetting some people. The Pistons, man. Oh, my goodness. They were such a fun watch. Uh, and the first couple games there, Jaden Ivey looked awesome on the second game. Like he was just getting to the rim at ease, hitting a three point shot. And then boom, summer league guys don't are. This is why they're in summer league. They're not in the league because a guy steps under his foot on a jump shot. Zaza Pachulia is him and he rolls his ankle and he's out for the rest of summer league. Uh, Jalen Duran is also on that team kind of projects as like a honestly, like if, if all goes well for him, a, a mini Rob Williams, not a mini, but um, younger Rob Williams, which would be awesome for the team. I think he's been impressive. <sighs> Who else has been playing? Dyson Daniels, I was really excited for because I think he's that final missing piece to the to the Pelicans offense and defense. Mm-hmm. He's like a 6'8", I think he's 6'8", um, Australian guard, point guard. We watched him play at the G League gig night game when Wiseman came back. He wasn't totally like, you know, eye-popping, but he... He, I think he fits as that role player that I like that's just like this long uh, wingspan, a tall point guard who can switch one through three. And um, I think that's right. That's exactly what the Pelicans need. They already kind of project as this like athletic uh, team with, mm-hmm. with Trey Murphy, who I liked from last year's draft, with uh, Herb Jones, with Brandon Ingram, with Zion. Like I'm really interested in watching that team next year, and I think they can surprise some people. <clears throat> 
but Dyson kind of went down pretty quickly. He actually got hurt too. I think a rolled ankle. Uh, geez, I'm I'm trying. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some big ones. Jaden Hardy, who I wanted the Warriors to take instead of Patrick Baldwin Jr., but I'm fine with the Patrick Baldwin Jr. selection. But Jaden Hardy is like, to me, he was like he actually played in that game. He was a G League Ignite guy too. We watched him mm-hmm. play. Didn't really do that well, but to me, he was like a Jordan Poole almost, where it seemed like he has the bag to get his open shot, and it looks pretty, but the shot would never go in. Jordan Poole's rookie year, you could tell the confidence wasn't there with him. They sent him down to the G League, gets the confidence, and he comes back up and plays a lot better. With Jaden Hardy, I felt like it was the same thing, although he was already playing in the G League Ignite, but he was a you know a player that doesn't go to college, goes to G League Ignite instead. It just looked like the same situation with Poole. Maybe the confidence wasn't there, but his first summer league game, he scores like 27 or something like that. All of them look like good shots. All of them look with ease. I'm hoping he does well. He's on the Mavericks. Um, and that might be like Keegan. Keegan looks awesome. Um, 20 of old. A lot of the Kings fans I've seen, at least the people I follow who are kind of, you know, kind of do this stuff and, and follow closely. They're like, hmm, I may have been wrong about Keegan Murray's Maybe ceiling. Maybe we're okay with this pick. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that I have an issue with is that we knew this with Keegan. He's already more of a polished product because he's older, because, you know, that's that the problem is, is that it feels like maybe his peak is closer than the other guys, his ceiling, you know? Jaden Ivey might project as this, like, consistent all-star third-team All-NBA in a couple of years. You never really know. I'm maybe over-projecting here. But Keegan, you know, kind of feels like just this perennial all-star guy at his ceiling. And I could be wrong about that, but to me, he kind of feels like maybe a, a better defensive Harrison Barnes, which is still a really good player, but... I don't know. I think for Jaden Ivey, I think like the best case scenario for him this year is Jalen Green, who is a great prospect. If they both came out in the same draft, Jalen Green's probably still the the, the higher pick, right? So if he could get to where Jalen Green was, now he's because he's not going to have the basketball like Jalen Green was able to have. He's not going to be able to put up, you know, all the shots that he wants. But maybe there is some inf- uh, efficiency things that he can do better than than Jalen Green. But I don't know. I just find <laughs> it's just funny to me how we blow these guys up so big, and we're now this is the Kings, which is part of the problem. Which is you can kick the Kings because they've had a history of making the wrong choice. But for the Kings, like let, let's say that this is their problem, right? Let's say that. Sacramento Kings understand they are very aware that their reputation as an organization is that they make the wrong pick. They don't pick the right player to pick Keegan Murray actually makes sense because like you just said, he is a little bit older. He is more polished. And if you take a flyer on Jay Nivey and let's say he's unhappy, let's say he doesn't want to play for Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Then that's just going back to, other problems that that they could have avoided. So I get the pick. I I just think it's it was funny that most of the reason why Jaden Ivey going to uh, Detroit was such a big deal is because the Kings passed on him. Like that was mm. a sign to a lot of us to say, oh, they don't know how to pick the right player. It's obviously going to be Jaden Ivey. I, I hope that he turns into a, a great prospect, but I'm not that I'm not there yet to go. Oh, Jaden Ivey's way better than Keegan Murray. He should have been the pick. Like, I'm not there where it seems like a lot of the people who follow this closely are just so ready to say, Jaden Ivey, better than Keegan Murray, 100%, take it to the bank. I I, I might be one of those people. I mean, I'm not going to... 
I just feel like Jaden Ivey has the potential. The potential is the key word here. The potential to be better than De'Aaron Fox, to be better than Keegan. And I, I feel like the Kings, you know, they did that half-ass win now trade to get Sabonis. They give away Halliburton, the one guy who really wanted to be there. And um, you get Sabonis, and now you have the De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, uh, Davion Mitchell. Um, and it, it just seemed like they were filling a spot. They did more of a, a, a team need than best player available. That's just That was just my knock on it. I think Keegan Murray would be a good player. He, he's going to fit right in right away. But I just think that Jaden Ivey has the potential to be, one, the better player, and two, better than the point guard that, you know, that the Kings have, that they passed on Jaden Ivey because of. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a Jaden Ivey, Tyrese Halliburton backcourt, uh, you know, maybe trade Deer and Fox in this hypothetical scenario. It just sounds more enticing and more fun to watch to me. I just feel like the that Kings, contract. right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but it just seems like the Kings, with all these moves, skipping on player X, trading the one guy who wanted to be there. It just seems like they're just going to end up right in the plan. Here's what I hope, because I know next year, if Jaden Ivey has a better re- has a better season than King and Murray. Everyone's going to dunk on the Kings. They will, because they will be proven that their instinct was right. If Keegan Murray has a better season than Jaden Ivey next year, I want all of those same people to say, I was wrong. Because they won't say that. And I'm not saying saying you. But they won't say that. But they will very much dunk on the Kings if... Jaden Ivey's better. 100%. And I feel like that those people are in like a win-win situation, including myself, I guess, because, you know, we're not expecting Jaden Ivey to be better as of the start of next year. Keegan Murray's the more polished guy. He's the more ready guy. He's the more NBA-ready guy. He might be better for the first two years. It's, it's just looking at it from five years down the line, which I guess I guess you could say if you're the Kings who've missed the playoffs for 17 years straight, at this point, you're not going to for a championship. You're going to get in the dang thing. You're trying to be an AC. That's a big win for the Kings. And uh, Keegan Murray was the better pick to get that done quicker. Yeah. Uh, it was the good, it's, it's a good pick for the Kings. I just think that we're going to look back at this one. Uh, kind of, I guess, how we look back at the Luka one. Obviously, Ivy's not going to turn into the player Luka is. And many players, only a few players ever do. But I feel like we might be looking back at it at the same sense. In the sense of, we, we passed on player X to get this, to get this guy. I think, I think Keegan will be good, though. All right, let's end this show by talking about this scenario, which is Bobby Marks, who works for ESPN. Uh, he said on uh, what? What do you know? What show it was? I saw Zach Lowe was on it, and there's a couple other. No, it was um, it was our guy uh, Jacoby. I think it was Jacoby the one who asked him the question. I don't know what show it was. Oh, really? Was it Dave Jacoby? I thought, I thought Jacoby. Like I think oh. he brought it up in in the show with whatever Jacoby's on. Very interesting. So he said. Steph Curry is the second best player of all time. And as you can imagine, the the LeBron folks kind of went nuts uh, with that statement because, you know, their guy has to has to be number two behind MJ. Um, I thought it was an interesting comment for for the for one fact, which is he mentioned in that comment, he said, Steph's going to be able to play at this level for the next three to four years. Uh, LeBron is, he's what? He's like three years older than Steph. Is, is that it? Like LeBron's like 37, 38. Yeah. I think he's like 37. So I, what I wonder if he meant is that, I mean, he meant what he meant that he thinks Steph can play at this level for three to four years, but also that LeBron 
may not be able to, but who knows? I mean, that guy's a cyborg. He, he may be able to play at, at the high level for the same time frame. But if you're looking at this from the perspective of LeBron has peaked, probably not going to get another championship. And let's say Steph could get another one. Steph, If Steph possibly gets another one, he passes LeBron, right? In in that 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 ranking of of champions, and, and so maybe that's what he means is that you know when it's all said and done, Steph has a better opportunity to get that fifth ring to match Kobe. You know, I guess is is the the player that people talk about. And and if he was to get a sixth one, then you know then that matches Jordan. I I don't know if if that is the case. The Warriors I think would have to get pretty lucky to win two more titles with this crew. Uh, I'm all for it though. Let let's do it. Uh, I'm in. Uh, but what did you think about that comment? And then what did you think about the ultimate backlash that came from that comment? So I feel like I'm like on team aggregator because I didn't actually listen to his reasoning. I just saw the headline. I, I saw a clip. Uh, that's all I saw was the clip. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't really listen to too much. But here's what I will say. I'll back up the point and then this might discredit the point. Because I don't I don't think it's true, but I'll back up the point because I think that if you look at the top 10, if you were to give me your top 10 to top 15, the common outlier is that there's no one under six, five or six. You could even push that up to, to higher. I guess Oscar Robinson is in some people's, you know, top 10 or top 15. He's, he's six, five, you know, and then, and then the shortest player, um, I, I'm sure Steph is going to make some people's top 10, but Steph's six, three, as you could see, this is a game that has been throughout the years, dominated by taller players. It's been dominated by centers at one point, dominated by wings, still dominated by wings. And Steph Curry comes in at a six, three guard outside of, da- out of Davidson. And is just able to, you know, become this um become what he is today. He wasn't this highly scouted touted prospect like LeBron, like MJ who went pick number 3. Steph, you know, came out of a out of a out of Davidson and literally changed the game where teams, you know, with the three-point line with with the um like the off-ball stuff that he does is just completely changed how how defenses he's like changed an era how defensive defenses guard that and game plan against it how everyone's trying to find a, a shooter like Steph to be on their team a guy like Steph you could you know Steph has never has never left the Warriors you look at LeBron he is he has bounced from from Cleveland to Miami back to Cleveland to Los Angeles uh, Kevin Durant has bounced from Oklahoma to to Golden State to Brooklyn and now is looking to leave again. Steph has stayed exactly where he is. Steph has won with the guys around him who were drafted as well. Um, and you look at, I guess, the teammates where, you know, so you look at the top 75 who was inducted in the top 75. Steph didn't have anyone in that top 75 except for KD and KD was there for t- three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron's had player, so many players that you look at the top 75 list who's been teammates with. It just seems like Steph has been the ultimate buy-in guy. He's bought into the process um, and and he, he's had so much success. Just my main point is just the height. You know, if, if you tell me like, oh, Steph's number nine and he's getting, you know, who's who's eight through eight through one it's tim duncan it's you know kobe bryant it's lebron james it's kareem abdul jabbar it's bill russell it's larry bird it's magic steph is six three these guys are so much taller than him and he is in the top 10 at six steph's really six one and a half steph six one and a half with shoes he's six three it's just crazy to me how how the guy this guy has been able to do what he's been able to do back-to-back mvp unanimous one year finals mvp four titles at this height like uh, to me that's just like that's just like the main point to me you know Magic, um, everyone will always have magic over Steph. I feel like regardless of what Steph is able to accomplish in his life, because, you know, Marcus Thompson was saying this on a podcast with Zach Lowe is like, you know, Steph 
has teams that were literally triple teaming him. And and that's how you they're trying to stop him. They're leaving so many other guys open just to triple team him, just to try to throw him off his game. And the thing is, is that with Magic and guys like KD and LeBron, it's like wings can't really, I guess, be double teamed or triple teamed to, to stop them. They're kind of just bigger and will get through that stuff. Um, but I don't know. It's just the guy is just... I'm telling you, you look at that top 15. Like Steph is by far the the smallest guy in that in that uh, in, in that in that range. So no, I mean, it, I, I get it. Uh, if you look at, so obviously there's the 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 Celtics when it comes to titles. You know, Bill Russell's got 11 championships. The NBA is quite different back then, but you can only grade him against what what he was doing, right? Um, Robert Ory. Seven titles. Michael Jordan, six. Kareem, six. Bob Cousy, six. But that, that's going back a, a ways again. Scottie Pippen, six. Magic, five. Um, and then I think Kobe and Tim Duncan also have five. So Steph, uh, Dennis Rodman also has five. Steve Kerr has five. Uh, so, you know, Steph with four is, is, a, is a pretty big jump. And it's... You know, it's funny because when you look at the list of active players who have titles, the only active players who have uh, more than three titles, and and those the, the the active players who have three championships, Udonis Haslam is one, Patrick McCaw who won two with the Warriors and then one with the Raptors, Danny Green who won championships with three different teams. JaVale McGee, two with the Warriors, one with the Lakers, and Kevon Looney, all three with the Warriors. Like a lot of the the, the championship stuff, sometimes is just about being, you know, the the role player in, in the right time. You know, Robert Ory's the, the the biggest one. He had seven, I mentioned. But after that, the only other people who have more than that: LeBron, Steph, Draymond, Andre, Clay. They all have four, and nobody active has more than that. So. You know, whoever in this era of active players, I do think the next player, and we're not saying that Clay and Draymond and Andre are, are the lead dogs here. It's either Steph or LeBron. Whoever wins that gets into that fifth title, your uh, fifth championship part of their career. Like that is a jump and a half. And I think in order for Steph to get to that level, uh, I think Andre said that that Steph is better than Magic Johnson. I, I mean, who knows? Like that's so hard because they, they're so they're like two such different players. But yeah, Magic, Kobe, Tim Duncan, those are the lead dogs who won that fifth ring. And for Steph or LeBron to be able to get into that next hierarchy of championships, I think that would sort of help in the argument uh, of where of where each where each other goes. Um, you know, I think most people right now have LeBron at number two, only behind Michael. And I don't know. I've seen the last uh, two years of LeBron's play, and it hasn't been uh, the most uh, terrific. But it also doesn't seem like he's about to fall off of a cliff, and this is going to be where we we rank him. So I think I think that stuff can go up and down. But I think. Uh, I think Steph is cemented with this fourth championship. He's probably cemented in whatever that top 12 is, however you want to do it. And then the next one, 
I mean, he's got to jump ahead of all these other guys if he gets one more title. That will, That's when the conversation, to me, gets interesting. Maybe not as interesting now. I get Bobby Marks's uh, comment. He also probably wanted to get aggregated, but um, I get it. But, that yeah, that's where it gets interesting to me is if Steph gets one more. And then if LeBron gets one more, I think LeBron would have to get three more to really, for most of the old heads, to be like, okay, like we're giving up this argument. If he doesn't get three more, though, I think he's forever behind Michael Jordan. He's not going to get three more unless he jumps ship to he might come the to the Bucks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. If he stays on this Lakers team, they're, they're not winning it this year. This is just another year. LeBron's going to be thirty-eight now or thirty-nine after this after this season, and he's going to be ringless again. With I mean, not, you know, not winning this year. Come on, team. he's got Juan Toscano Anderson on his team. He's yeah. hugging up with Juan Toscano. Have you taken a, Have you taken a like a peek at what the Western Conference looks like this year once the Clippers and the Nuggets are like healthy? Well, it looks like Clippers, Nuggets, Warriors, Mavs, Memphis, Memphis. Yeah, those those I are five teams who I feel like have a legit legitimate chance to win a title in the Western Conference. Yeah. That's crazy. Phoenix, well, they okay. just got Aiton back. Yeah, okay, Phoenix with Aiton for sure. But you know the one thing I don't believe about the Clippers, though? What? This whole Kawhi drama. What stops Kawhi from either getting hurt again or just not wanting to be in L.A.? Like, that's a giant wild card to me. That's a giant question mark to go, these guys are going to win the title. Uh, can, can Kawhi still play basketball? Like, is he going to want to play basketball? Like Paul George, he's, you know, he he can be very emotional about what he wants to do. Like those two guys together, I think, you know, if you get the best version of those guys, yes, they're a contender. But if you get the last two years version of both of these guys where we're sort of unsure about who they are in, in this current NBA, I'm not so sure I'd pencil those guys in as like the next you know, next possible championship contender. Paul George was having a really good year last year until he went down. But yeah, that's a fair point to bring up about Kawhi. It's it's also because of the way he plays, right? Like he plays very hard, diving, you know, body all over the place. He's asked to do so much. This guy, I know it's been a while now, but I mean, I think everyone remembers what it looked like when he wrecked his knee in the the Olympic thing, you know? So as he gets older, it's just going to be, you know, harder and harder for him to be at that same athletic level. So yeah, I'm not I'm not so sure about the Clippers. We'll see. Ah, I'm bought in on paper. Their team just <laughs> looks their team looks so good on paper, at least. With I mean, I don't know about the John Wall stuff, but PG, Kawhi, Powell, Rocco, uh, Reggie Jackson. I, I just think that, I hope you're not giving me one of the Morris twins. I like well, you know you can include him if you want or not, but they also really? have uh Terrence Mann who had like the breakout game against Utah in the playoffs. I, I think they got a good squad. Okay, yeah, so some of that stuff happens and yeah. so uh we'll end with this, which is the game that, that we both play on the PS5 NBA 2K. Supposedly they have this new version of the game where you get league pass. Have you ever, you've never had league pass before, have you? No, I've just uh, don't fire me. I've always used like, the, the free streaming that's illegal. Yeah, and you know you have to deal with connection and deal with some maybe not the best picture sometimes. But League Pass, it seems like League Pass is is right up your alley. But I just want I just want you to be careful. League Pass is kind of the the uh, the reason for r- relationships uh, to to kind of get frustrating there. 
you see, you, you know, you, you're already watching all these summer league games and then you get league pass and you're like, oh man, Denver's playing uh, at 4.30. I got to watch this game. Oh, and then the Warriors are at seven. Nope, oh, got to watch six hours of basketball. Sorry about like, just be careful with your league pass. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm thinking like... I'm thinking I might be a hound on it right when I get it because there's so many good teams that I and, and and most like the teams that I'm actually really interested in watching are more of the bad teams or the Orlando's, the Detroit's, the Indiana's. I, I guess more Indiana if they got DeAndre, but um, who else was the Houston's? Like I'm more interested in watching some of those teams to see how their young cores look and they stack up against each other. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe just going to be a Detroit Golden State guy <laughs> this year. All right, so uh, I'm I'm going on vacation, so we may not have another episode uh, for uh, two weeks or, or maybe even a little bit longer. Though, if something does happen, I am going to bring my extra USB mic with me. I'm doing this for two reasons. One, I don't know if I could uh, stay away from uh, from Brad Evans for that long because we we've never, you know, we were I think ten days is kind of the max for us to not record an episode. So we'll see what happens there with, with, with Brad. I, I may record Thompson to Clark while I'm, while I'm in Arizona. Um, and, but, but so if something happens, if you know, the Warriors get KD, not going to, not going to happen, but if something like that happened, we'll, we'll record an emergency and, and I'll make myself available. Uh, but I'll, I might have to hide in the closet to do it. Um, all right. We are done here. Uh, we'll be back. At some point, uh, next couple weeks at least, you know, it is the offseason. We, we did record a whole lot of shows during the playoffs. We're already at episode 23, and we've only been recording for like two months or something like that. So, uh, all right. So, for Brian, I am a Double G. We'll see when we see you. Peace out.